0: Thank you, but you didn't have to clap for me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you did have to clap for me. no. Oh, okay. How many of you are cold right now? okay, just just cold you're cold i i 'm cold from that bus ride. Um, I, I mean, my fingers are cold, my feet are cold, my nose is cold, and i 'm shaking on the inside like I was back there and like I was shivering on the inside, so i 'm looking forward to getting warm. I didn't bring a coat with me. Uh, my wife told me to, and I tried to look for my coat and I couldn't find it, so that's my fault, and I should have brought a hoodie of some kind. I love hoodies. They, they're like a blanket, right? Um, what's the second thing that I was going to ask? Oh, 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 yeah. Who voted for Roberta? Raise your hand if she voted for Roberta. You know, I thought a whole lot more you girls were going to vote for Roberta than actually did, okay? And I don't even know how to say the guy's name. like, yeah, that guy, how many of you voted for him? <laughs> <All right. laughs> Not surprised, okay, put your hands down. Did anybody vote for anybody else? Oh yeah, <laughs> hi Zach. <laughs> um, um, so I voted and I voted for Priolito or whatever his name was. So I was just like, I didn't think anybody's gonna vote for him. <laughs> so I just voted for him and then I turned out, I was like, no way, <laughs> he won. So. Hey, I got, a, I got a message today from Luke chapter 16 that I think would be a help to you. Luke chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 19. That, that nine was upside down for a second in my brain. It's about a guy who's known by probably everyone in the room for being short. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you say, I'm a short person? All right, own it, all right. Uh, My daughters are short because my wife is short. My wife is like five foot one. And so my daughters, it's their number one goal in life to be taller than their mom. It's it's like all of them, they're like, I just wanna be taller than mom. And I wanted to like, I wanna be taller than my sister. You know, they don't wanna be the shortest one and uh, but i'm telling them all the time i have permission to to talk about this i'm telling them all the time it's not so bad to be short it's not i get it i get it i get it you're like when i'm short i feel younger than i am and people treat me younger because i'm shorter and all those kind of things i get that but but think Long term and think about the advantages. See, people so so many times, they think about the negatives instead of the advantages. When you go on a trip and you have a piece of luggage, short people can get more clothes in their luggage because there's a whole lot less material, right? (laughs) Right? If you pack a pair of pants, like (laughs) some of my girls, I don't even know if they even have to fold them. They just put them in right it's just because they're short right if you got your shirts are shorter oh there's a lot less material you know I've seen some people on airplanes and I'm like when you pack two pair of clothes in your entire suitcase there's a lot of material to this person's shirt you know it's, there's a lot it's a tent that they're wearing it's huge yeah, I think this way too if you go to a, a restaurant and, and and you get a drink and I get a drink and they're the same size but we are different sizes, right? Say you're half my size. It means it's like you got twice as much drink for the same price, right? Because your stomach is smaller too, right? So you get a hamburger, and it's the same hamburger that I get, but it's like it's bigger for you than it is for me if you're smaller. Does that make sense to everybody? Some people, Josiah's like, I just want a big hamburger, that's all I want. (laughs) It's bigger, okay? Blankets. I don't know. I've looked on uh, my my wife. I think it was last year wanted an electric blanket. Uh, I've been trying to convince her for years that she wanted one, and she was like, "No, I don't." And then all of a sudden, she did want one, and she's so glad that she's got one because she just you know cuddles up in that electric blanket with her coffee and reads her because I like my house cold, and uh, so. I look up large electric blanket and it says like 60 inches is, that's like here, you know, that's, that's, that's only five feet, 60 inches. I'm like large to me is I can like cover my feet and it comes up to my head, you know, it comes up wherever I want it without it being stretched out. And so I'm like my daughters who are small, you know, that large blanket swallows them. Sleeping bags are bigger when you're smaller, right? You're looking at me like these aren't advantages. They are, I promise you. Zacchaeus is the guy we're going to talk about, right? Airplane seats are bigger when you're smaller, all right? Well, you know, they, they say like 29 inches of foot room. Hey, this is an extra, ex, you have extra foot room. You have 30 inches. You know, my girls, they don't even care. Like my feet, their feet don't even touch the ground. It, does, it doesn't matter. But here we have Zacchaeus, all right? Luke 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered... And passed through Jericho. Different Jericho than the one with the walls came tumbling down. Verse 2. And there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he, that's Jesus, was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place... He looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. They were criticizing Jesus for this. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. So if he took $5 from you by falsely accusing you that you needed to pay more taxes than you actually did, he said, I'm going to give you $20 back for the five that I took. All right. Verse number nine. And Jesus said unto him, this day salvation has come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. And then it ends with this verse, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This passage teaches us that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Not just a friend to sinners, but a friend of sinners. You ever been a friend to somebody, but maybe they're not really friendly back? So you can't really say that they're your friend. You're you're friendly to them, but you're not their friend but you have other people that you are friends of. Well, you can be a friend of Jesus because some of this passage is saying, look, Jesus is a friend to sinners and of sinners so that they can have a relationship with him that lasts for eternity. And that's what the metaphor here is. That's one of the pictures of this passage is that Jesus comes to seek lost people. Jesus comes to people to find them so that they can meet him, have their sins forgiven. And that's the picture that is given to us. What this guy didn't know is this guy didn't know when he went to go see Jesus that he was going to become a friend of Jesus. Can you imagine that? You know, I'm a, I like to watch sports. And, you know, there's some guys that I'm like, okay, I'm not really a fan of their team, but I would go and watch a game that they play in because they're just a phenomenal athlete. I'm not, some of you guys, I've seen a soccer ball around here and I'm not much of a soccer fan because it's kind of a boring sport for me to watch. 90 plus minutes and you score like three goals. Okay, come on. Like if, if I were in charge of soccer, we would not have a goalie, all right? We'd, just, we'd have a lot more points. It would be a lot more exciting. It, or the goal would be bigger, all right? Because I wanna see more scoring happen. But I And I don't know a lot of soccer players' names. I know, like, maybe three or four. But I know who Messi is, and I've seen some stuff he does, and it blows my mind. The guy is obviously good. I would go to see him play if I knew that he was actually going to play that day. I would go to see him play. And, And maybe you're that way with another sport. You're like, look, I'm really not a fan of basketball, but I would go and maybe see LeBron James play or Kevin Durant or somebody like that. I would go and do that. Um, maybe, maybe you're not a golf fan, but maybe you'd like to go and see Tiger Woods, be in that place. But imagine that you went to that event where that professional athlete was there. And you're just standing in your random place, and you're like, man, I can't really see. And so you're like, maybe if I go over to this area, I can get a better look at what they're going to be doing while they're playing their sport. And so you, you get to that area, and you, you finally get a good look And as they come over that way, they notice you for whatever reason. Maybe you're wearing something weird. Maybe it's because you're short. And they're like, hey, that person's short. And so they they point you out and they say, hey, I'm going to eat dinner with you tonight. You're like, no, you're not. You're just messing with me. And they're like, no, no, no. Come here. Come here. Come Come over here. And so they call you over to them and they spend the afternoon with you and they're getting to know you and they eat dinner with you and all those kind of things. And it it turns out that you become a friend of that person. Well, that's kind of what happened to Zacchaeus. Do you know, Jesus wasn't just looking to get to know Zacchaeus. He wanted to change Zacchaeus' life. He wanted Zacchaeus to have his sins forgiven be born again as we would say to be saved you know God wants that for you he does God wants that for you do you know that if you don't have a relationship with God today that you can by the end of today you can because he has come to seek and to save that which was lost there is an opportunity for Zacchaeus to meet Jesus as far as we know This is the only time that Jesus went through this specific town. And it may have been that he only planned to be there for 24 hours and then to go someplace. And that was his only opportunity. This was an opportunity. You know, you have an opportunity this weekend to come to the the, the rekindle midwinter retreat. You have an opportunity for that. You could have said, no, I'm just going to stay home. I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do at home, eat my own snacks, stay in my own bed. I'm gonna do all those kind of things. I'm not gonna go and have that kind of fun. You could've turned down that opportunity. I've had some fun opportunities. I like to travel. I like to go to different places. It's a goal of mine to go to every one of the 50 states. And I've been to 40 something, I think 40, more than 45, I'm pretty sure. And so, you know, there's a few more that I'd like to go to. And I'm glad for that. Some of those are harder to get to than others. I've been to Maine a few times, a couple times. Um, I've been to most major cities in the United States, and that's fun. I've been to a lot of those places. I've been to several foreign countries. I got a report on my, one of my um, emails, and it said, you've been to six countries in your lifetime. And I was like, well, that's not Right. But according to my phone, that's all it knows, the countries that I've been to. I've been to Madagascar twice. Now, things about Madagascar that you may know, things you may not know. There are not penguins in Madagascar, all right? That's a cartoon. It's not real. They don't go there. But Madagascar is known for having 10,000, I think, or more than 10,000 species of animals, plants, and bugs that literally are only in Madagascar. And I knew that. not oh, like 10,000 is a big number, you know? So, I mean, I just expected when I went there that everywhere I looked, I was going to see some kind of a plant that I was like, oh, I've never seen that plant before. And maybe an animal or a bug or something that I was like, oh, this is wild, you know? And I felt like maybe it'll be like being on a, an alien planet and seeing different things, you know? I was pretty much disappointed. I was like, your grass looks a little different than our grass, but it's, it's still grass, you know? And your trees, like, okay, you don't have oak trees. At least I don't think you do. But you still have trees, you know, palm trees and those kind of things. And, and the only time I've seen lemurs, I mean, you can see lemurs in America in a zoo. I was at a, a zoo. But I like their zoos better than ours because our zoos have like glass and fences that you can't man, they're, like, <laughs> travel at your own risk. <laughs> like, the sign says, I mean, you're, like, right there. The, it's a handrail. It's not even, like, a barrier. And they're, like, hey, these will bite. <laughs> these will bite. And dogs bite like this, okay? They bite and they let go. They're, like, lemurs bite and then they take a chunk. They, like, twist their head so they can get a chunk out. So they're, like, you know, steer clear. They're, like, this one's pregnant, so she's angry. And I was, like, hey, i got four kids. I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's in trouble back here. <laughs> but, but yeah, I went to a crocodile. They had a crocodile exhibit. Uh, okay, they had a pond at this crocodile exhibit that was probably twice the size of this auditorium. And around this pond was probably 150 crocodiles, no lie. They were side by side by side by side all the way around and, and they, some of them were big enough that they could have swallowed you and not looked any bigger. They were humongous. And sometimes the only thing between you and these crocodiles was a rock wall that was like, if I'm on your level, would only be like this high. I'm not, I'm not kidding. There's no glass, no fence, no nothing. Like you could reach over and touch them. And you know what I thought? I was like, in America, we don't allow that. We don't. We're like, people are stupid. <laughs> they, they will die. <laughs> they will try to, t- I mean, I've, you've seen the videos, right? Stupid people in Yosemite or wherever that is out west, and they're trying to touch the buffalo, and hey, hey, let me, let me get a picture with the bear. You know, we're dumb in America. Over there, they're like, yeah, that's a three-foot wall. That thing will eat me. <laughs> I'm staying away from it. But, you know, I expected to see some wild things over there. I didn't see that, but I'm glad I had the opportunity. I'm glad God gives me the opportunity to travel in those kind of places. You know, some of these opportunities that we have, they only come once. Once they're here and they're gone, you didn't take that opportunity, and you never have it again. You know, Zacchaeus had an opportunity to meet Jesus that was a passing opportunity. It was something that he had to take when he had the chance to take it. And young people, Yes, you're young. It looks like you have all your life ahead of you. It looks like, oh, you could come back to church anytime you want, but we don't know those things. We don't know that. Look, in in our lifetimes, COVID happened. And one of the things that that showed me was that the whole world can change in 24 hours. The things you thought would never happen, happen. I remember people, all the old people know this. We would think, They'll never cancel sports. There's too much money in it. That's what everybody always said. And one of the biggest sporting events of all time, March Madness, was canceled the week of. Didn't play a game. If it had been in football season, they'd have canceled football. Like, it was was shocking. The world can change. Your life can change that fast. And the opportunities that you think, oh, I can meet Jesus anytime I want. I can have a relationship with him anytime I want. It can disappear. It was an opportunity that Jesus came for anybody that was there. It wasn't just for Zacchaeus. It was for anybody that was at Jericho. But it was also a personal opportunity. And just like I'm preaching to all of you And it's an invitation for all of you to come to Christ, to know him, to have that relationship with him. God is giving it to you as an individual. You know, maybe you have come to Christ. Maybe you are saved. I assume that many, most of you are. But I don't know your heart. I don't know your relationship with God or lack of it. This is your opportunity. There was an opportunity, but there were obstacles. Notice verse 2, it says there was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief among publicans, and he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus who he was, and he could not for the press because he was little of stature. In order for him to meet Jesus, there was obstacles, and the first was a physical obstacle, right? He was short. It's going to be really hard for him, he's a small guy. I can't really find my way to the front of the line, anywhere else i'm just too short to see so i'm gonna have to find this tree when i was when i was growing up i was in a youth group and we had um we had a really fun event where it was an obstacle course we lived of course i grew up in a place completely different than this i grew up in kansas in rural kansas and so the size of the town that i grew up in was like 12,000 people which is like the size of a block here probably i don't know And, but we had all this, you know, land that we could do stuff in. And so somebody put an obstacle course on their property. And so that that was the event, is for all of us to go and see how quickly we could do this. There were vines, we had to climb up a vine and like hit a ribbon, and we did that, we passed, we go to the next thing, and there was ropes from trees to tree, and we, you know, hand over hand or whatever to try to get to the other side. There was logs falling over uh, gullies, those kind of things. There were things to climb up. There was a steep embankment. There was all kinds of stuff like that. I don't know if we had a zip line. I felt like I had a zip line. Just something, you know, just fun things along the way, and it was a great activity, but it's not just running from point A to point B. It's who can get from point A to point B through the obstacles the fastest. Those obstacles are there to either slow you down or stop you. You understand that. And he had things that could slow him down or stop him. And one was that physical, another was social. He's a publican, that's a tax collector. Now in those, in today, you know, you can, you can like get a program on, on your computer and you don't even have to see anybody. You can just do all that stuff, pay your taxes online and walk away. But in those days and in, in a lot of foreign countries, you have to go to somebody and show them some of your paperwork for what you did in the year, and they're gonna tell you, this is how much you have to pay. You know, people don't like that person. Because often they feel like, you're making me pay more than I think I need to. And these guys were known to say, you owe this much. And you're like, there's no way I owe that much. And they're like, yeah, you do. Because if you don't, I'm gonna throw you in jail. You know what that's called? It's extortion forcing you to pay more than what you really owed because they had the authority, the power to do it. So they weren't liked. Another reason he wasn't liked is because he's Jewish and he's collecting taxes for the Romans. So for the Jews in their own land, they're like, this guy's a sellout. This is supposed to be our land. You remember the, the guy said, should we pay taxes to Caesar because some of their belief was, we're Jews, we're in Israel, we shouldn't be paying taxes to somebody else. It's not right. And so they would say, yeah, we shouldn't be paying taxes, but here you have a Jewish guy who's saying, no, you pay taxes to Caesar. So he was not liked. He was most likely dishonest. He was basically admitting later that he was he was a publican tax collector and he was the chief of them it wasn't just he was some low-level guy so he had social opti- obstacles he also had he also had spiritual obstacles spiritual obstacles because he was successful in Matthew chapter 19 Jesus says it's very hard for the rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven because he doesn't want to let go of what he has Remember the rich ruler that came to Jesus and said, Look, I'm doing all these things. I've, I've obeyed all the commandments from my youth upward. So what do I do to inherit the kingdom? What do I do to go to heaven? And Jesus said, Then sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Because he knew the young man's heart, and he knew that he didn't want to give up those riches. You know, I've been on missions trips to very poor countries, and I've been on missions trips to countries that weren't so poor. And you know what I found? In the poor countries, people know they need Jesus and they'll come to him. They'll listen. They'll trust Christ, they'll be saved. But in the richer countries, they won't even come and listen. Like, why do I need him? Because everything is not just on this planet. Your life ends one day. Everybody's life ends. And you're gonna go someplace According to the Bible, you're going to go to heaven or hell, and you have that choice to make. That's the choice that Zacchaeus was basically faced with. I can meet Jesus and accept what he has for me, or I can reject him and say, no, I'm not going to do that. But there were obstacles in his life. Sometimes we have obstacles in our own life. Sometimes it's family. Not so much in America, but it does happen in America, where because of a family's belief about what the Bible says or disbelief about the Bible says, it can be difficult for us to be saved. Sometimes it's friends. I've been in camp services where there were young people, and there were three or four young guys that kind of sat over here where these guys are sitting. And the whole week, two or three of these guys, actually all of them, they wouldn't even look at me the entire service. They had their heads back. They would, They would do this kind of thing like I didn't know what they were doing you know, burying their heads, never looking up at me, and they had longer hair, and they kind of let let their hair like in front of their face so they couldn't see. And I'm like, look, you can hear what I'm saying. I know that you can. Whether you're looking at me or not, I know that you can hear. And they try to talk back and forth and those kind of things. They didn't want anything to do with what the Bible said. But as the week went on, there was one that it was obvious that God was working in his heart. But you know what? Those two friends, they were holding him back because he knew what they thought. He knew what they talked about. And sometimes friends can hold us back from doing what we know we ought to do. I hope you're not that friend. Because some of you could be. You could be that person. Maybe it's not physical. Maybe you're not holding them back. Maybe it's not emotional where they're afraid. Oh, what are they going to think if I do this? But maybe it's because of your lifestyle. You say you're a Christian. You say you're saved, but because of your lifestyle, because of the way you live, because of the things that you say, because of the things that they know that you do, they are thinking to themselves, that's, if that's a Christian, then why do I need to be that? What kind of life change is that? You know God and he changes your life and he tells you how to live. You know, how, you know what, one of the biggest excuses that people in America give for not going to church and not getting saved, it's other Christians. They say, too many hypocrites. Too many hypocrites, which really is an admission that the Christians know the truth, they're just not living it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of Christians that don't live the truth. I hope you're not one of those people he had obstacles sometimes it's ourselves it's our own pride we think wow what are people going to think they're going to be happy for you you're making a good decision for yourself the best decision for yourself that you could make and that's to have those sins gone what a what a joy it is whenever we feel guilty to have that guilt washed away to be cleansed from sin there was an opportunity there were obstacles but there was also obedience Notice verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Jesus, notice verse 5, called him by his name. He said Zacchaeus. How did he know his name? He never met him before. It's because Jesus is the son of God. Jesus knew his name. Jesus had always known who Zacchaeus was. Jesus knew that he was going to meet Zacchaeus when Zacchaeus was in that tree before Zacchaeus was even even ever born because that's who who he is. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. I love that it says the next verse, verse 6, and he made haste and came down. Exactly the words that Jesus said for him to do. I love that. He was like, hey, hurry up and get down here. And Zacchaeus is like, I'm going to hurry up and get down there. He obeyed exactly and immediately as God had asked him to do. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Sometimes when God makes that call to you, as he is making to Zacharias, tomorrow may be too late. Because today is the day that God is working in your heart. Today is the day that Jesus is there knocking. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I preached at a camp a couple summers ago. When I got there, the camp director said, hey, I just want you to know, we've had a sensitive situation that's happened. And he said, you probably should know that uh, because, you know, just, I don't know what you're going to preach, or I, and I don't want you to offend or hurt anybody, but we had a girl that was there. She was a high school student working at the camp. And her brother, who was a good kid, also a high school student, had just gone to a youth activity that last weekend, and on his way home from the youth activity, pulled out in front of a semi-truck, and the semi-truck killed him like that. So he said, "It's kind of sensitive around camp about that, and he said, just want to let you know that. You know, I think about that, and I think, man, that kid had no clue when he went to that youth activity that he wasn't going to make it home. And that's rare, but it happens. And none of us in this room want it to happen to any one of you. But the reality is there that you don't know if you have tomorrow. You don't know if you have that other opportunity. That's why it's important to obey what God is asking you to do. Jesus called him. It says that that Jesus cared about him. He said, I want to go to your house. I want to spend time with you. I want to be your friend. And then they criticized him because he was a friend of sinners. I don't know if you're like this, but I'm glad that he's a friend of sinners because if he wasn't, he couldn't be my friend. If he wasn't, that means he wouldn't care about me. But Jesus is that friend of sinners. He cared about Zacchaeus. He wanted to get to to know Zacchaeus and for Zacchaeus to know him. And he changed him. Notice it says, Zacchaeus stood, verse 8, and said, Lord, behold, Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. What is he saying? He's saying there's a change that just happened in my life. When I obeyed the call that you had to me, something's different. And and, and I want to express that. And I want to express it by helping those that have need. And so, yes, I'm going to give to them. Jesus didn't have to tell him to do that. It was something inside of him that had changed. And he said, and if, and if I've done anybody wrong by accusing them falsely, then I'm going to get right with them. And I'm going to get right with them not just by giving them back what I took, but more than that, because I want those relationships to be right. These are the kind of changes that take place when God changes you in your heart. You don't do these to be changed. You do these because you are changed. And then what Jesus said about him, it says this, Verse 9, and Jesus said unto him, this day salvation has come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. He said, look, it's obvious that you're saved. And calling him a son of Abraham, that doesn't mean much to us, but to every Jewish person in this day, Abraham was the one guy that if anybody's right with God, it's Abraham. Because Abraham was the one that when he went to sacrifice his son and didn't end up having to do that because God provided the ram, God said, because you believed me, you are righteous. And we're told over and over in Scripture that faith, us believing in God, is counted to us for righteousness, that we are right with God because of faith. And so what Jesus is saying about him, he's the son of Abraham. He is a child of faith. He is righteous in my eyes and these things that he's saying he's going to do by giving his goods to the poor and by getting right with people is the expression of what is taking place in his life. That I have made him right. The Bible calls that justified. That I have made him right. I have justified him. Jesus was already changing him that fast because he obeyed the call. You know, maybe God is calling you tonight to be saved. And you've never been saved. you never trusted Christ as your Savior. This is your opportunity like Zacchaeus. When I moved to North Carolina, we moved into this house. And I had to park my the, the big moving truck across the street. And So we kind of went in the house and... and and I made the plan there were people there to help us move in and so we kind of made the plan and so there was a line of us and you can imagine if this platform is is kind of the yard and and out here kind of where you are is the street and here's the curb and there was a line of us we were all kind of lined up here but it, we were walking to the curb and it was kind of a staggered line it wasn't like we were on purpose a line but side by side by side so we were walking to the curb and and it's mostly a straight street but down this direction there's a sharp curve but not so sharp that people really have to slow down now the speed limit's like 25 but people come around i've heard people come around that curve so fast that their wheels are squealing and so they can you know get to here they're 35 40 miles an hour but it's not that far and so we're walking there and so i'm looking this way and then i look back this way but when i did when I look this way, I saw my, my, I think she was five at the time, my five-year-old daughter. You know, she's always, you know, there and active. She was kind of in the back, but she was coming. And we were walking, she was running. She's not paying attention. But all the rest of us are adults, we're paying attention. And I see that car, we all see the car, and we get to the curb and stop. Because right? that's what you do, you look both ways and you stop. But out of the corner of my eye, I could see my daughter. She wasn't slowing down. And and, you know, that dad instinct kicks in. And and just that fast, I just said, stop! And I'm not kidding you, like she was in a full run. She was like, like this and took that final step right then that car went right in front of her. Never slowed down a bit. And if she hadn't have obeyed immediately, it would have been bad news but because she obeyed she was safe can I tell you it's that serious it's that serious with your life that if you don't obey the call that God has on your life you will not be safe from with a judgment that is to come and God wants you to know that that's one of the reasons why the cross was so cruel why well, that crucifixion was so mean because God wants you to know that the punishment of sin is that bad and that Jesus took it for you so that you don't have to have it. And what he is calling for you to do today is to repent of that sin. Say, God, I don't want the sin. I want you. You know what he says? Done. Done. That's all you have to do. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe somebody here tonight would say, Preacher, that's me. God's speaking to my heart, and I know that what I need tonight is to trust Christ as my Savior. I need to come to Him like Zacchaeus did, and I want to obey that. With all the young people with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, look, if you were the one raising your hand, you would want others to respect you. So we're going to respect others. You wouldn't want anybody peeping on you and peeking at you and seeing if you're... So we're not going to do that either, are we? But maybe you're the one here today and it looks like everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed and nobody's looking around. I want to give you that privacy, but how many of you would say, Preacher, that's me. God is asking me to come to him tonight. I've never been saved, but I know that that's what God wants me to do right now. If that's you, would you raise your hand anywhere in the room so that I can see that. Preacher, pray for me. I know this is what God, the step that God would have me to take to trust Christ as my Savior. Anybody at all? You say, Preacher, just pray for me. That's that's who I am. I haven't seen any hands yet, but I don't want to miss it if you're trying. I'm going to encourage you to do this. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you know. could be somebody that's here and just hasn't raised their hand, but somebody that you know that needs to be saved. And if they don't obey the call of God on their life, it's bad news. Maybe God is stirring your heart to be the one to tell them, to invite them, to talk to them about the change that God has put in your life. Or maybe God's speaking to you because you really can't tell them because your testimony for Christ is not good when you're around them. You say things you shouldn't say. You do things you shouldn't do. So it's hard for you to tell them to be saved when you don't live like it. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand to your feet as the hymn of invitation begins to play, if God has spoken to your heart and you need to deal with something, you can come at this altar and pray. You can head to the back. We've got, we've got sponsors, counselors back there. If you need to be saved and you didn't raise your hand, but you know this is what God wants me to do. You can take a step out. People will get out of your way and you can walk straight to the back and you can talk to a leader and they can help you. Thank you for listening. You have listened well tonight. But if God is speaking to your heart, you're not done. You have something you need to do. for what we've heard tonight. Thank you for the special day that it has been. Lord, as we rest our head this evening on our pillow, I pray that you bring to remembrance, the things that you are dealing with us about. Lord, that we would keep a heart that is open and ready, Lord, as we move into our final day tomorrow. uh, Lord, we ask for your blessing as we go our separate ways tonight. We ask these things in the name of Jesus.